When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie Easton. This, this is the Sunday In today's episode, we look at ways to beat the heat in cities, squirrel contraceptives, and a possible end to heading in football. But first, it was on this day in 1911 that American explorer Hiram Bingham discovered Machu Picchu, the lost city of the Incas. Dreaming of an island escape this summer? There's one kind of island you'll want to run far, far away from if you're trying to beat the heat. Thanks to something called the urban heat island effect, urban areas are getting hotter and climate change is only heating things up more. Take London, for example. The UK capital's experiencing hotter and drier summers that are further impacted by the urban heat island effect. This is because the sun's rays are absorbed by hard surfaces, retaining the heat and keeping the area hotter for longer. There will be places that are so hot You know, airplanes don't fly past 120 degrees. So the airport in Phoenix shuts down. iPhones shut down at 107. The asphalt melts and cars can't drive on it. That was Kathy Borman-McLeod. She works with leaders around the world to increase heat resilience in cities. Your number one role as an elected official is to protect people in your community, to save lives. And this agenda and this threat is solvable. And what could that solution be? Well, some researchers think it could be as simple as planting more trees. Venture outside during a heatwave and you'll notice a clear difference in temperature between city streets that have substantial greenery and tree cover and bare concrete pavements that are exposed to the sun all day long. Imagine you walking down a tree-lined street in the nice part of the city feels comfortable and cool under the shade, doesn't it? Well, this experience might seem trivial, but it illustrates how trees mitigate some of the worst impacts of climate change. Research has shown that planting trees in a neighbourhood could reduce temperatures by as much as 10 degrees Celsius in the summer. And in heatwaves like the one we've just seen, that could be the difference between life and death. There can be a temperature difference of 13 to 17 degrees in one city from one neighbourhood to another because of concrete and black asphalt and no trees and um you know when you call them a leafy suburb we call them that for a reason because they're wealthy and well uh canopied and cool and trees lower your utility bill they clean the water they store carbon um they cool the air i mean they're just superheroes 
Everyone should be able to experience trees and their benefits regardless of where they live. This is known as tree equity. Globally, work on this is rapidly evolving. In the States, the conservation organization American Forests has developed a way to assess cities for their levels of tree equity to help focus investment on urban trees. In the UK, the Woodland Trust is hoping to do something similar for local areas. By 2050, it's projected that 68% of the world's population will be living, working and breathing in cities. In the context of the climate crisis and rapid urbanisation, we need calling green infrastructure like trees and community gardens now more than ever. Four European bison have been released into an ancient woodland in southeast England as part of a rewilding project. This project aims to explore the potential benefits such large animals can have on woodland ecosystems. These are the first bison to roam in the UK for thousands of years. It's really groundbreaking stuff and the researchers involved hope this can contribute to the scientific understanding of rewilding. European bison is the uh, largest um, terrestrial uh, um, mammal in Europe. You know, they're big, powerful animals, but they're also very sort of gentle and docile, actually. In terms of what the bison are, are going to imitate or um, replicate is the, sort of the ancient aurochs and wild cattle that we would have had here. So it's really exciting that uh, yeah, the, the bison that we're going to be getting are going to be doing this job that's been lost for, for millennia, really. That was Tom Gibbs, bison ranger at the Wildwood Trust. He and his team are absolutely ecstatic at what bison in the UK could mean for our woodland ecology. From start to finish... They're helping other, you know, other species. So they they fulfil uh, sort of uh, niche, uh, ecological niches and, and they engineer the site around them. They'll debark trees, um, which is fantastic because that creates lovely standing deadwood, which is great for invertebrates, bats, woodpeckers, um, so many different other species. And they kill these trees off slowly, which is a natural process that we find in woods. They also, because of their physique, they'll go into areas of the site which are quite dark and dense and and really sort of thick with um, vegetation, and they'll punch through these and they start to create light filtering down to the ground and that gives less um, competitive plants uh, a bit of a boost and an opportunity to come through. And then they, uh, they dust base, that's when they roll around on the ground and that's to get rid of parasites. It creates lovely um, open areas of uh, bare ground, which again is great for insects. And they also hope these woodland beasts will have a positive impact on our warming climate. Something a bit poetic about the fact that the bison will be yeah, uh, released into the soft-release area on, on the hottest day of the year because... That's one of the reasons why the bison have been brought in. We can't do everything. We sometimes need to be a little bit less controlling and allow nature to sort of take a lead on the, the issues that we're seeing, you know, with the biodiversity and climate um, crises. I'm really positive that they are going to do a fantastic job and um, we're going to see a much richer and uh, alive uh, West Bleen in the very f- uh, near future. Paul Whitfield's Director General for the Wildwood Trust and he's hopeful that this project will be just the start of Europe's ecologically more diverse future. There are already three or four other organisations that are looking at the potential for a bison project inspired by this one. But the other thing that this one was, was going to do is we're bringing in really important genetic lines of bison into the country and they're going to be breeding out in this project and they'll be creating young bison to go off to other projects in the future. You know, all these animals are part of the European Endangered Species Programme, so they're part of the species recovery for bison and there's so many future potential projects for them to do. This should be a real inspiration for other people to do the same and a real door opener. Still to come on the Sunday 7, the dangers of space debris and an end to heading in football.
Despite the vastness of space, the laws of gravity still apply to the things we launch into our galaxy. Now, a Canadian study is examining the risks for us Earthlings posed by falling space junk. Chinese Long March rockets, for example, once they reach space, leave behind massive boosters. And as the saying goes, what goes up must come down. In 2020, parts of one of them crashed into two villages in the Ivory Coast. Luckily, no one was injured, but about 10 minutes earlier, parts had passed over densely populated New York City. Well, that's a, a warning about what could happen. Michael Byers, a professor of the University of British Columbia, is the lead author of the new study that looks at the risk abandoned rockets mean to people on the ground. His team analysed the last 30 years of launches and came up with the odds that someone will eventually be killed. They say there's about a 10% chance it's going to happen in the next decade. Which is actually really small, except for the fact that it's growing because more and more rockets are being launched. The number of countries and now companies in space is skyrocketing, and that means more and more debris. Even SpaceX's Falcon 9, which brings back its reusable main booster, still leaves a second-stage booster in space for eventual re-entry, and they put on a dazzling starry show as they break up. Oh my God! Now, the Earth's big, but it's not that big, and researchers say we're not addressing space debris as much as we need to. Another thing the study found is that the danger is actually higher in countries that don't send up rockets. Because launches tend to happen near the equator, the odds are about four times higher they'll land near there too. The major space launching states, uh, they're exporting risk to the developing world. And the most frustrating part? Michael says today's technology makes all this risk completely preventable and he's calling on governments to act now before it's too late. Some of the most legendary goals in the beautiful game have been scored this way, but deliberate heading could soon be banned from football for children under 12 in England. This Football Association trial follows the 2020 introduction of guidance against heading the ball in training for kids aged 18 and under. The application for trial is part of the FA's attempts to mitigate against any potential risks of heading a ball. Researchers long been telling us about the dangers of head injuries and concussions in football, particularly the link with neurological illnesses. So what actually happens during these sports-related head injuries? Speaking to DW News, Dr Willie Stewart from the University of Glasgow weighs in. The brain is a, a kind of soft jelly, really floating, suspended inside your skull. And the skull, that rigid box, give us fantastic protection. So you can, you can knock yourself in the head and not impact that soft jelly. But if you spin the head really quickly after a punch or a blow to the head, is that the skull, the head moves quickly, but the brain just moves slightly slower. And just that slight difference in the way they move <clears throat> creates stretch or shear on the brain's substance and that causes the damage. This is where CTE, or chronic traumatic encephalopathy, comes in. This progressive brain condition was first recognised in boxers, but has now been associated with NFL and rugby as well as football. And what we found is that overall, footballers were about three and a half times more likely to die of uh, a dementia. That figure of three and a half times higher risk of dementia or death with dementia, it ranged from uh, around a five-fold increase in deaths with motor neuron disease 
uh, around a fourfold increase in deaths with Alzheimer's disease, a doubling of, of risk of deaths with Parkinson's disease. But is a header anywhere near as bad as the nasty head clashes that stop play? Well, imagine a ball weighing about half a kilogram crashing straight into your head. Whichever way you slice it, it is a head trauma. Neuroscientist Dr. Michael Gray shares his thoughts. These repetitive um, um, incidences where, the, where the, the brain is shaking inside the skull, those cause damage. And so anything we can do to reduce those occurrences is a good thing. Whilst the new FA trials are a step in the right direction, Dr. Gray wants an outright ban of heading for children and at least a reduction for adults. It baffles me that they are are sl- so slow to pick this up. Again, it's it's the the powers that be in the game um, have this this notion that heading is such an important and an integral element to the game. I think it's really telling that football has spent millions and millions of pounds on investigating VAR. Loads more funding for that than there has been for player welfare, for looking at brain injuries. So could football actually ever consider ditching heading completely? Headers and head injuries are seen as part and parcel of the game, but maybe now the sport is ripe for change. Still to come on the Sunday 7, squirrel contraceptives and a strange signal coming from outer space. Right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to The Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso. Or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. A new scheme to give grey squirrels oral contraceptions going on trial in the UK. They might not look much like an ecological menace, but the cute grey squirrel causes huge amounts of damage to the British countryside. Introduced from North America in the 1870s, greys carry the squirrel pox virus, which does them no harm, but is fatal to native red squirrels. The UK population of Reds used to be about 3.5 million, but since Greys arrived, the numbers dropped to under 150,000 compared to the 1.5 million Greys. We don't object to individual animals. Of course, we love animals, but as a species, they're causing quite a lot of problems. People think of, of squirrels eating nuts, but they, they are, they'll eat other food as well, so they will eat birds' eggs. Um, they will eat chicks in the nest sometimes if they find them. Um, they'll even find their way into nest boxes sometimes to get at the eggs and the chicks. That was Richard Mundy, Nature Recovery Manager at Gwent Wildlife Trust, explaining the predicament to ITV News. Greys are also a menace to trees. Between April and the end of July, they strip away at the bark, interrupting the sap flow, which causes many of them to die. Some trees like oak, sycamore and beech are so vulnerable to grey squirrels that many foresters simply won't bother planting them. The traditional way of disposing of pests like grey squirrels works in the short run... But people don't like furry animals being shot much. Plus, it's only a temporary solution. Grey squirrels breed rapidly and populations can recover quickly. This is why government scientists are exploring a more humane alternative. 
The plan involves luring the squirrels into feeding boxes using Nutella spiked with contraceptives. The idea is that squirrels will be unaffected except for not being able to reproduce. Dr Giovanni Masse is the lead scientist on the team and told the BBC progress has been good. She hopes it'll be ready to roll out in the wild within two years. You could reduce them significantly, like bring them to, to the brink of local extinction or even um, eradicate them from some areas, provided that you can do a coordinated control over large areas. Culls of grey squirrels have long been unsuccessful, but there's hope that this non-lethal plan means their red cousins are heading towards a bit of a brighter future. Scientists have come across a mysterious radio burst signal from a galaxy far, far away. In a study published in Nature, astronomers say what they've detected is very unusual. It's got a pattern that's similar to a heartbeat, and for now, the exact location and cause of the burst are completely unknown. If this story sounds familiar, you wouldn't be wrong. It's not the first time astronomers have picked up strange signals from space. This type of signal, which is classified as a fast radio burst, or FRB, has been observed before. Normally, the strong burst of waves lasts a few milliseconds, but this new signal was so powerful, it lasted three whole seconds, about a thousand times longer than average. All of this is really rare. Scientists think it could be caused by a neutron star that rotates and emits radio waves from either end, similar to a lighthouse. Dr. Daniel Mitchelly is an astronomer from the MIT team that discovered this latest signal. Previously, we were not able to see uh, these neutron stars emitting radio waves from other galaxies because they are not energetic enough, they are not luminous enough. This is the first time where we may have detected a neutron star from so far away. Chris Hadfield's a Canadian astronaut and joined Virgin Media Television to break this down. When, when a star uh, starts to use up all of the fuel that's in it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then <laughs> collapses in on itself. And when it does that, it's sort of like a figure skater that has been turning at a certain speed. And as soon as the figure skater pulls their arms in, they suddenly spin way faster. And you, you've probably seen it at the Olympics. That happens to stars. And when they get spun in like that, suddenly you have this a very active old remnant spinning incredibly quickly and you see the pulses of energy coming from it. And so it, it's as if uh, a figure skater was yelling and every time their voice came around, you could hear their voice. Some of them spin fairly slow and some incredibly fast. We call them, you know, pulsars or, or magnetars. And that's probably what we're hearing out there. But it's also just kind of a little bit weird to hear something from the darkness of space that is, you know, the same sort of rhythm as your own heart. It, it makes you, you know, just think there's gotta be life out there. Kind of heat, humans sweat to keep cool, hippos wallow in the mud, but as Eloise Hunt from the Natural History Museum explains, birds have got a different way to beat the heat.
Birds have a range of ways they stay cool. Some will migrate, or they'll move up mountains to find cooler climates. Some will raise up their wings to increase airflow to their skin. Some birds, like toucans, can even change the blood flow through their beaks to get rid of excess heat. And this is similar to how humans increase blood flow to their skin to regulate temperature. Like dogs, birds can pant, and this moves heat from inside their bodies to outside. This is more efficient than in mammals because birds have a one-way lung system. So, while panting might seem strange to us, humans and birds both use water and airflow to regulate their temperatures. This has been the Sunday Seven. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. with the regular Smart Seven. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced, and published by Daft Doris.